Welcome to the Yoga Addiction. If you're a yoga teacher or student who wants a deeper understanding of yoga with respect to science, health, and longevity, this podcast is for you. Every week we'll dive deep into a topic to help you be a better yogi, teacher, and communicator. We want to give you a practical understanding of the current science related to yoga and help you create quality, safe, and inspired classes, whether they are for yourself at home or for your students. I'm Natalie Sanger. And I'm Sandy Hewitt. We look forward to you taking part in our conversations. Hey there, guys. This is Sandy. Good morning. This is Natalie. And today we have a very special guest on the podcast for you. Um, I'd like to formally introduce Danielle Eve. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. Um, so just a little bit about Danielle. Um, she and I know each other because we teach at the same studio. And one day she pulled out a book that I have that I, I revere very much, which is Your Body, Your Yoga by Bernie Clark, if you don't have it totally recommend it, um, which got us talking a little bit more about anatomy, about yoga teaching. Um, and then she recently did a startup company that I thought is so interesting and so necessary and good that I really wanted to have her on to, to give us a little bit of insight and a little bit of um, information about that. Um, perfect. So how you doing? Good, good. I'm doing great. I was like, all of a sudden, I'm like, it's an interview now. So wait to be interviewed. But <laughs> no, really no. like you can you can interrupt us and you can ask us questions. It's totally fine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not we're not that formal. Um but I do really I don't know so much about about your background, so okay. that is something I wanted to yeah, like what brought you to yoga? What's your yoga story like? So my yoga story started I guess 7 or 8 years ago and I always hate to say this, but it was because of a a guy. I was like, I need to work out and I hated going to the gym and I wanted to figure out something that I like to do. So I initially went to just lose weight and, you know, be skinnier and, and do that. And what ended up happening is I fell in love with it. And, you know, throughout the most of my life, I've had, you know, different depression and anxiety, different struggles with mental health. And I found that yoga was the one thing that felt like medicine almost. And so it took this life that like the way that I describe it is like, you know, you have a painting, but the painting is washed in all of the colors of the water, you know, that you mix the painting. So it's got this like gray haze over it. And yoga just washed that away. It was like, I could see life in color, like the, my emotional capacity was different. And all of a sudden, I felt so much happier. And so it was just this start of a journey that took me through mindfulness-based stress reduction, um, John Kabat-Zinn's program, and then eventually to my yoga teacher training, which was a couple of years ago, and now starting this business. So it's been this kind of strange journey to get here, um, but, you know, it's it's kind of amazing. So how long ago did you start yoga? It sounds pretty recent. Like seven, oh no, I guess a little bit more than that. I guess it was close to eight or nine years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's not basically. Well, mm -hmm. it is like in that I started as an, as an adult, like a legit adult. Mm -hmm. I was not an exerciser. Like I've always been like a reader, not a mover. And so for me, it was like the first thing that I ever really got into that I was like, oh, I can do this. And I kind of love it. Mm -hmm. Did you start in like practicing in studios right away or? Yeah. So I started or, at like... a Moksha studio 
And oh, me too. Yeah, yeah, Moksha yeah. Uh, on the Danforth, actually. And so I started there and I was working as an energy exchange because I was studying uh, speech pathology and psycholinguistics, which is why I love the word fuck and, and you know, as a fricative. Um, and so I was just doing this. I couldn't afford to pay for yoga because it's absurdly expensive. And so I was like, I'm going to do this energy exchange. And it sort of launched me into the community. And I had this kind of big life change about, you know, two years into practicing. And I started working at the studio. So it was like a second job. And I was doing social media for them. And and I was working at the front desk. And I just loved watching people, you know, come in, go to class. You see people come in, they're like these tight wound balls of like energy and like sometimes it's crazy and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's really bad and you see them all come out really uniformly feeling better and so it was this kind of amazing thing and I had this shift so I was working at the studio deciding you know what I wanted to do with my life and I fell into marketing and so I got into marketing and I worked for a couple of really big organizations. So I worked for Target Canada and I worked for Tangerine Bank and um, Cadillac Fairview and a couple of bigger businesses. And I landed at an agency and I was just working constantly. And so what I noticed, and this is, you know, part of the inspiration for the business is I noticed that the more time I worked, the less um, good of a human I was. It's not like the most eloquent way to say it, but like, I just could not be the best version of myself. So I was, you know, pretty consistently depressed. Like this time of the year, especially would be terrible for me. I couldn't manage my emotions and, you know, I was good at my job. I, I did the job, but I always felt like I wanted to do something more. I wanted to do something to help make the world a better place. And so marketing, I think, is like, unfortunately, the opposite of that. And so we really had this internal struggle. And so I came off of working like probably one of the craziest years, like 100 hour weeks consistently oh for like 10 months. And I came off just exhausted. Like I was just like to my bones exhausted. And I had taken my teacher training, I guess, the year prior and my business partner, Megan, and I had talked about opening a studio. And so we were kind of hemming and hawing about it and like looking for locations and trying to decide what to do. And in the meantime, I was working all the time. So we really had to put everything on the back burner. And I went to Costa Rica as like, I, you know, finally needed a break, a vacation. And it took me almost the whole trip to just like be a normal human. And I just came back thinking like this, this can't be it. This absolutely cannot be the way that I live the rest of my life. You know, I've already decided that this just doesn't work. This is non-functional. There has to be a better way to do this. And so I was at the time I was seconded out to an organization, um, which is basically like on loan from an agency. So, you know, you're working this organization. So I was back in the corporate world again, and I just didn't want to keep doing it. So we decided to start the business through, you know, a series of events and decided against the studio. And one of the reasons we decided against the studio is the, sorry, I, I just banged my fingers. So I can say the reason that we decided <laughs> to uh, not open a studio is the more and more we thought about it. So you see them popping up all over the place. And what it felt like was all of these places are fighting for the same people. So we're not really recruiting new yogis. And if we are, it's on really small, limited amounts. And so when I thought about what 
I like what what I want to leave for the world, like what I want to put it back out there. I wanted to have a, a much broader scope. I wanted to help people who couldn't get into a yoga studio, who work the hundred hour weeks, who have no concept of any balance or mindfulness or just like needed us more in the space. And so that's sort of how we decided to go into businesses and make something that was accessible for everyone. So it wasn't just accessible for the people who, you know, believe in the, the yoga or the, as I said yesterday, the, the crystal tinkle woo woo, that it was for everyone that, that, you know, we're, <laughs> we're in this primed space of people, you know, understanding mindfulness and not thinking that it's some weird out there idea. And so it just seemed like the time to go in and start hitting up businesses and, go in and do these 30 minute movement sessions. So that's like our main thing that we do. We have, it's called an ebb flow movement session. So it's business tire approved. You can be in kitten heels or Nikes jeans, or, you know, an, a, like a badass business suit, you come in and we move you. So we start our sessions with a bit of like mindful breathing, just like a bit of noticing. So it's like kind of like the teaser to mindfulness and then we move in ways that support bodies that are crouched over desks all day. So we make sure we use a bunch of different modalities. So my business partner is an RMT. She also teaches Pilates um, and practices Qigong. So we use different Qigong. We use different yoga techniques. We use different mindfulness breathing. And then just things that help the body move in different ways. So every week we have a theme, we have like a pose of the week, and then we sort of build our sequence around that. And it's all to give you tools so that when you're back at your desk and it's 6 p.m. and you know you're not going to leave until 9, that you just get up and you do, you know, the shoulder rolls or you go up to the wall and do, you know, our wall W, which like kind of like releases the back of the scapula. We're finding all sorts of like, fun names for these things we have the the steven tyler which is this like weird serving plate thing that looks like a steven tyler dance apparently like external rotation yeah exactly Ah, i totally i can see it yeah so (laughs) that's that's why you know that's why we do what we do and and it's been so much more rewarding um so that's that's sort of like the thesis of of ebb and flow that's so awesome. before you keep going, yeah, that's that's really awesome. I have a number of follow up okay, questions. Great. Okay, number one. <laughs> number one, you mentioned that you wanted to get skinny for a guy. Yes. <laughs> Is he still around? No. Thank goodness oh! because he's a disaster. He was such a mess. It was such a bad relationship. And it was it was just like oh, all the things that brought me into that space were really to like get me out of that relationship. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes you need that to learn about yourself. Right? Oh yeah. Like they're just, it's so funny, right? Like the things that you don't know that I wish that eight years ago, nine years ago, Danielle knew now, like it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> All the headache I could have saved. No, he's not. Uh, okay. Second follow-up question. Crystal tinkle woo-woo. <laughs> 
so she and I were talking yesterday, and she she did mention this that like her partner calls, I guess, sort of the esoteric, new agey kind of stuff. This crystal tinkle woo woo, and I have I have okay, so. Tinkle. Tinkle is when you go pee-pee, guys. <laughs> twinkle. Twinkle are like the twinkle lights, right? So I'm going to fight back and say it should okay, be called we'll, Crystal we'll it twinkle. twinkle. We'll change woo-woo. it to Twinkle Woo Woo. Yeah, it, thank, you, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but hopefully you guys understand. Like, I, Nat, does that make any sense to you? What, the twinkle? Yeah, like Crystal <laughs> Twinkle Woo Woo aspect of yoga. Oh, I totally get that. Oh, okay, cool. Then it needs no explanation. Yeah. I try to avoid that stuff in general. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. You know, I think that like there is something for everybody, but like I come in from like when I was younger, we were very religious and we were not just like, you know, a little like Baptist Catholic religious, like we were like charismatic. So there was like singing and hands raising and speaking in tongues. And so I just wanted to make the separation to be like, this is not what I believe anymore. And I just Mm -hmm. find that sometimes it feels inaccessible to people. I think it's part of what separates, you know, a person who would go into a yoga studio from going into a yoga studio. Like I think it's super important to like have the history of yoga and to really understand where it comes from and to develop your practice. But man, if the first thing you see when you come into, you know, a, a yoga studio is like a giant shrine, like I just feel like in our day and age now, it's just not accessible. Yeah. That link between spirituality and religion is just not clear for so many people and for mm-hmm. teachers. Mm, and absolutely. So you're yeah. putting some stuff out there that ruffles some feathers or um, people aren't just open to whatsoever. You mean extremely physical practice is so different from a deeply spiritual practice. And the spiritual stuff can just be like that feeling of being with yourself, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of the, the main part of it. But it can get really tied to, I mean, like the mythology. I have some teachers that teach mythology really well, like Hindu mythology, and it's beautiful. But um, I think there's less talk about, like, why they're teaching that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I definitely get that. And then there's, like, that's actually, like, kind of more grounded um, spiritual stuff. Then there's some, like, really kind of out there <laughs> things it's true and you know my my business partner is she's super into that she has I think they're like animal meditation cards or something like that's totally wrong and she's gonna laugh at me later but she is totally into that you know they have like multiple shrines at her house and it's something that she develops that she believes she teaches it and it works for her it just doesn't necessarily work for the corporate landscape mm-hmm. and and so we limit how much of that language we use in our, like, you know, in our blogging, in our website, in our teaching. Yeah, I think that leads us to like the really good juicy stuff that um, I sort of want to give our listeners, like, basically tips for teaching corporate yoga and like how to get into it. It's not easy to approach a huge corporation and be like, Hey guys, y'all stressed. Yeah. Let me take care of that for you. You know, like, Oh, I have a question on that. Like, so did you start in the company you, you worked for? Did you start giving your service offering your services with them while you were working full time? Or did you just like, yeah, totally stop. So I did a little bit here and there. But we were so busy. Everyone was so busy. It just wasn't something that we did. Um, mm. So I did it here and there. So at like different corporate retreats and different 
uh, things like that. I know other people sort of come into it that other way. Like we work with a company in Toronto and, and, you know, his whole career was developed because he started doing wellness within, you know, his, his agency. For me, I needed like that separation for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I started teaching yoga at lunch at the, at the, um, office that I worked at when I was a geologist twice a week. So like that was my first experience I'm trying to think. Yeah. That was like the first time I was like legit teaching yoga to people after doing, I had done 500 hours of teacher training at that point. Whoa. Yeah. And then I just kept realizing. Yeah, that's super qualified. <laughs> yeah. And an archaeologist. I'm like, tell me more. Geologist. Oh, geologist. geologist. <laughs> archaeologist would be, that'd be, that'd be like almost more I don't know if I would like that more, but yeah, we found gold. I was a gold digger. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Shiny things. Amazing. But yeah, I remember teaching at lunch and then coming, like putting that effort even before I taught my class, like making sure I had a really good thing to teach or like maybe was teaching towards a part of the body or peak pose or some things I saw on my um, coworkers' bodies that I wanted to address and being so psyched on it and then teaching then after just feeling so good and having like noticing the response from my colleagues and coworkers, I just knew that like I had to, I had to make a break. And at one point the president of the company came to my office and he's like, you're not going to leave us to do this yoga thing. Are you? And I was like, no, <laughs> um, yes, exactly definitely. I, you know, I do remember that actually one of the first times I taught right after teacher training, it was one of our work off sites and one of the women, she was from Calgary and I sort of knew her peripherally and she came to the class and she sat up afterwards and she's just like, you know, when you know someone's supposed to do something, she's like, that's what you're supposed to do. And in my mind, I had Aww. always created a separation because like, let's be real here. It's hard to make a living as a full-time yoga teacher, especially yeah. living in, you know, all of us live in expensive cities. And so for me, I, you know, I'm, while I'm also a little out there, I'm deeply pragmatic and I was like, the bills still have to be paid. And so it's, it's what took me a little longer to get to the point where I was teaching full-time because I'm the happiest I've ever been in my whole life without question. Oh, Yeah. It's a very fulfilling job, it that's is. for sure. Mm -hmm. So, Sandy, you yeah, wanted so guess... to know about, like, how we yeah. get into corporations. So, you know, I am I am probably a little bit – it's probably a little bit easier for me and for my business partner because her – you know, she being a uh, an RMT, she has crazy contacts. And she's been an RMT for probably close to 15 years and she's quite good. And so she's just sort of collected people. So we have often, you know, found, found a way in that way. And then I also, because I've worked with so many different companies have also had a few contacts on that side. That being said, some of our best contacts have really been from just talking to people about what we do all the time. <laughs> so I, oh, I wow, always yeah. have business cards on me. I, you know, I was at an event two days ago where I was talking to someone randomly talking about the business and now we have a contact and we're going into another office. So I think, 
you know, number one, making sure that it's always top of mind, that you don't have to do it as, you know, like you're selling, you really are helping people feel better. There's no question about that. And I really lead with that, that I want people to feel better. And I think that it translates out into, you know, how we sell ourselves. And then the other thing that I found has been really good is we invested in marketing um, assets. So a logo production, um, you know, we spent time on our website, we were thoughtful about, you know, the content. So we have a brochure that we send out to everyone that has all of our information, we did some market research on pricing. And I think so coming from a marketing background, like I knew to do all that stuff, I knew that I needed to have, you know, all of the, you know, potential ROI questions answered. And I knew that I would need to have, you know, some of the scientific backing and, um, and be able to speak the language in a corporate world. And I think that's such a huge, important part is when I send an email, you know, I don't have like a sparkle chasing a rainbow at the end of my email. It's like, this is our business information. <laughs> here's what we do. Here's our website. And so we're like constantly marketing ourselves out there. So even though like the concept is, you know, we come and teach you to breathe and, and be mindful, the, the idea is still like in a, you know, in a vernacular that resonates. So I guess uh, for our listeners, I think it would be really beneficial to get um, whomever you use for your logo. Um, if we could get like a yes, link up, if you could send me the link and I'll, I'll put it in our show notes. So you guys will have it available and you can click through. And of course I'll put Ebb and Flow Movement, um, Danielle and Megan's website up so you can see what they're doing. Um, they do have a really, really nice and strong, clean lines, clear vernacular, clear words, um, sort of branding. And I, I really do like that about what they've done. Mm-hmm. So nice. Well, one yeah. of the things like the, the woman who we worked with, and we talked about this a little earlier, but part of our, you know, we have three pillars, mind, body and community. It's sort of what everything revolves around with our business. And part of our community imperative is that we work with other women who run businesses. Mm-hmm. And so we support other freelancers and entrepreneurs as much as possible and really like focus on, you know, we're working with the workaround and make lemonade here in Toronto, which are, you know, women focused co-working spaces. We obviously work with other businesses, but a lot of what we do is focused on like building up other women's businesses, because I think that when we work together, we are infinitely stronger than trying to, you know, hold you know, business close and safe and, you know, away from your competitors, like there's enough for everyone. And when you come into things with that open hand, like, I think it just resonates and rolls down even more. So our, our freelancer is, uh, she's, she's a, a, an amazing freelancer who, you know, has her own business and has been, been doing branding and stuff for a long time in Toronto and is stellar. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I I love that idea that like, there is enough business out there and opportunity out there because there is, you know, there's like, I know the yoga studios are packed and there are so many studios around the corner, but there's still so many people sitting at their desks or people who are really suffering Mm -hmm. from, you know, metabolic related issues that just feel really threatened by yoga studios. Like what? I don't belong there, so I'm not going to go. And I think, partly at least my motivation for starting this podcast is to like encourage people listen the studio system is just the studios it's like one tenth of the pie 
there's still so much more pie and you know like that that area needs your voice it needs your expertise it needs your energy to go out there and like motivate change someone's life make them move better make them feel better make them live a little bit longer and and that's great like you you'd have done a great service well that's what we found when we were looking originally when we were looking at yoga studios you're looking you know in like a 10 kilometer radius around you and it was like studio studio you know fitness workout space all these different places that were there so you're like okay so you're kind of fighting and people will only travel so far for their you know for their fitness and then what we realized is that we have this whole city full of offices so that have space and it doesn't, and like, you know, because of how we, we build our program, it can work in any, literally any space. And so, Uh so that we're taking up a space that already exists with this group of people who would not necessarily know to go to a studio. And there's only like two or three other companies in Toronto that are doing the same thing. Yeah. So like we, you know, and we work, I work with a a couple of different, so like a holistic nutritionist and um, a psychotherapist. And so we just, you know, give business back and forth because Mm -hmm. there, there really is, there are so many offices, so many offices also have wellness budgets. So that is one key that I think that we sort of like landed in is it's not always going through the HR department you can find smaller departments and they have their own small wellness budgets, which really, if you're going to come in and teach a class once a week, it doesn't need to be, you know, a huge amount of money. Um, And so it's almost easier if you can get in on those wellness budgets rather than having, you know, everyone in the office pays $10 for a drop-in. It's totally doable, but it's much more manageable if you can somehow become a budget line item. Mm -hmm. Do you ever... Um, you talked about like you're always top of mind when you're marketing your stuff. Like you'll just mention it to people mm-hmm. when you're um, in groups or whatever. Do you ever go into a building and just like start hitting the elevator buttons and like go floor <laughs> by floor? We haven't done that yet. <laughs> what we did do though is we went on LinkedIn. Um, so we we work we do um, some work with a bank, Scotia Wealth, uh, up at St. Clair and Young. And so we just took a picture of the you know like the office. I don't know what is it like they I can't think of the word right now but basically the menu of everyone who's there and we went on directory, directory, oh directory. Gosh, yes the office directory mm-hmm. yeah. um and so we went in there uh went on LinkedIn and found people that we had mutual connections with so you already had that half a connection so LinkedIn has been really effective for us or just like finding that I know someone who's in common and having that sort of soft introduction. So like, that's how we got into the workaround. It's how we're, you know, we're working with Make Lemonade. Um, so it's kind of using all avenues. I feel like my business partner would definitely go into an office and do that. I'm much more like the soft sale. That's, that's always been, <laughs> you know, like it shouldn't feel like you're being sold. You should be thinking that it was your great idea, you know? So, mm-hmm. so I think like that's much more my approach. Um, and who knows what will happen eventually, but we're definitely getting to the place where it's like you get business and then business leads to more business to different clients. And, you know, the more people, you know, the easier it is to get into places. Mm-hmm. Does that start? That's hard for it people. Is hard. I think it's really intimidating, for sure. especially for people who haven't worked in a big office in the tower or anything like that. Like yeah. I come from that in, environment, so it doesn't intimidate me. I haven't done the elevator thing yet. I've always thought about <laughs> it. <laughs> 
it's, it's a slog. Yeah. 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 It's like one of those things. Yeah. It's like, all right. You steal yourself for it and you, you know, you go in. Yeah. I've had a, like a couple of friends of mine when I was out of town, like come and sub my classes at, at my office that I used to work at and I, um, teach in my husband's office as well. And then I, I contract for a company that specializes, they just do corporate yoga. Okay. Um, so my friend and she's, she, her background was, um, massage. Now she's a counselor and yoga teacher, but she's just like, I feel super awkward just even coming into this building period. Like people are in suits and I'm in yoga pants. Yeah. So we did yeah. change up a little yeah. bit of what we wear. So, you know, Lululemon, yeah. this is not an ad or promotion for them, but they have like a, it's like a work to wear or like it's, they're called, it's like the movement line. And so mm. basically we go in and we wear a uniform. So white tops, black bottoms. Um, but we try and make sure that they're not like the, the yoga tights. Right. So you go in and we're either yeah. wearing like, it's like a clean, like dress track pant almost, or like yeah, one of yeah. these pieces. And I think, you know, it's just like going into a job interview any, anywhere really, right? Like you are presenting yourself. So even if you don't want to do it and you feel uncomfortable, you just can't show it. Like I'm, I'm writing a blog right now. I was talking to Sandy about it on, you know, building mental resilience over the holidays. And one of the things that keeps coming up in the research is like fake it till you make it. And, and it's, it's real, right? Like sometimes you just have to fake it. Sometimes you just have to pretend like you belong because the reality is we're all pretending <laughs> in, in one form yeah. or another. And, and I get it for yeah. sure. It, it was intimidating for me, even some of my, you know, more of the, you know, the clients that I had worked with at an agency to go in and talk to them. Um, but I think sometimes you just have to do it. And that's, I guess, what separates the people who are successful from the people who aren't is like just believing in yourself, even like with blind, dumb luck, right? Like it just, that's the separation. Um, and as a yoga teacher, you're kind of out there anyways, right? Like you are making people feel better. You are helping them feel better, hopefully for the most part. Um, maybe you need more anatomy training if you're not. Uh, but <laughs> I think so like really believing in that is, is kind of what helps sell it out yeah and I think it's, so it's just like what, anything sorry one more thing Sandy <laughs> okay yeah yeah go ahead it's like the practice of yoga in and of itself like you're practicing you're not going to like nail it like stick the exactly. landing you know like you're going uh, uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> so if you kind of go from that perspective of like oh I'm gonna try to I'm gonna talk to this person about what I do or I'm gonna go into the elevator and hit all the buttons and go <laughs> yeah. to every floor or whatever or or you have a networking event that you're gonna go try and just practice talking about like Sandy and I have done this in some of our some of our trainings, like, okay, spend two minutes talking about um fascia or something like that. And you're like, Oh, okay, yeah, you need to practice yeah. that. You just need to practice doing it. You're not gonna nail it and then you get better and better mm -hmm. and better and eventually success will come. But that's I think if you go at it with yes. a perspective of practicing, then you'll, you'll eventually. I know. There. Like I, I heard this great quote, the first draft always sucks. So like it doesn't yeah. ever not suck. You're always yeah. working so hard for it to be the best, but it always sucks. And so if you like know that, if you understand that and still work really hard, you maybe like you're a little less hard on yourself when things flop and you do have to have a bit of a thick skin. Like we've definitely had mm -hmm. moments where we went into offices and thought things went great. And then like they didn't move forward. And so making it, you know, mm -hmm. the right places are going to come up 
you know, as long as you're working and hustling, you know, the right, the right opportunities are going to present themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important not to give up even when that happens because things change, the atmosphere changes. Um, And I think we, in, in this sort of the new workplace culture is also changing. So more and more companies are now starting to be like, okay, wellness is something that we need to look at because burnout is real. And and because we're losing employees, employee turnover Mm -hmm. is so high. Um, So sustaining employee health and wellness, that, that stuff is starting, finally starting to come into the forefront um, as part of like a a really good corporate plan. And I think that that's, that's even what we said right at the beginning is that we're primed right now. The time is optimal to go into this. Like companies themselves, just as you said, we're, we're seeing this massive burnout. We're seeing depression rate spike. We're seeing suicide rate spike. There, there is a very real and big thing. Even um, I think it's Movember instead of, you know, focusing solely on prostate health, they're focusing on men's mental health. One of the pieces here too is that we found is that in an office, you're exposed to way more men than you are in a yoga studio. And so making sure that the language is developed in a way that they feel like they can be a part is also really important. So like that we're teaching to the people who won't necessarily be seen in a studio, um, can you give us an example of that? Like what, what, how would you change language versus studio versus male dominated? Uh, so we talk a lot about like, like business wear approved. So like um, when you're going in and, you know, I feel like there's almost more of this tendency and this is obviously a, a huge generalization, but there's a tendency for men to like push it, work harder, do more. And so we trick them into thinking they're doing more when they're just stretching better. Uh, so, you know, at, at the bank, for instance, there's, there's this one guy who always comes and he always wants the, what we call the level two, which is really just like, you know, stretch longer, reach harder, like use your core. So developing those things. Um, and then I think like just playing with it a little bit and having fun with it, uh, it, it tends to make it a little bit more approachable. So uh, like I've found that most of the places that we've been, it's really been like a 50, 50. So it's 50% men, 50% women. And, uh, I think to the mindfulness part, there's like a piece of that. So when we go in and do mindfulness, depending on the workspace, obviously, we I spend a lot of time um, giving body scans over visualizations, which for some reason, it just seems to resonate more with like the business group. So if you're in the space and you're just scanning, like create a picture of the bottom of your foot, the top of the foot, up the leg, like what does everything feel? Are there empty blank spots? that seems to resonate more than like, think of a beautiful mountain, you know, the, the lake that's in beyond. And so we kind of play with both of them, but really in the ebb flow sessions, it's, it's things that they can use. So it's like, you know, creating space to breathe more. Um, you know, how are your wrists? We spend a lot of time working with wrists and shoulders. And, um, so I think that helps a little bit. No, that's awesome. I think that's really helpful. Um, any other like physical tips since you do teach people who are in a suit and you don't, you don't ask them to change into gym wear. So what are some like physical things that you find that you gravitate towards and gravitate? uh, So wide legs or we totally gravitate away from just in general, low squats, (laughs) 
when we do the, when we set up the sequence, we try to wear clothes that are restrictive. So we do it like I'll wear my jeans when we do our planning sometimes, because then you can really see like what someone can do and what they can't do, or we'll wear like a, like a tighter business jacket or suit jacket. So sometimes they do take off their suit jackets and they untuck their, their, um, their shirts. And we also offer that you can take your shoes off. So some people feel comfortable, some people don't, but we always keep in mind, like, can someone do this in high heels? And when we think of a sequence, we also go in knowing that if everyone in there is in, you know, like wide leg pants, there's no problem. Then we can do like a warrior series or, and like uh, warrior more for mobility. So moving up and down and feeling, you know, the scissoring of the legs together. Um, but most of the time, all of our sequences we just think about what are they going to wear? How can we get the most potent move or sequence of moves so that they feel really good afterwards, but they're not sweaty. We try to like really avoid getting really sweaty. So you still get the heart rate up and warm, but we only do it for like maybe four or five minutes. The rest of it is mobility exercises that focus around a chair, a table or a wall usually. So that's why we use different modalities. Like, you know, there's a bit of eccentrics in there. There's a little bit of Qigong, some Pilates, balancing and yoga, obviously, um, because I think you need all of them together, like that understanding of how the musculature works and how, you know, people are starting to sort of like their heads are tilted forward, shoulders are tilted forward, you know, the spine is curved. So how do we consistently draw them up and back? Like I'm doing the movement as we talk right now, like the collarbone wide um so everything we do we plan it around that in in the offices that you go to um is there any office that makes it mandatory or it's all just people go if they have the time so that's been our like key thing is trying to get people to make it mandatory i think the reality is like it depends on the time of year when we first um went into scotiabank it was a mandatory um, so they had to go, it was like a, an everyone must come meeting. And so now it's changed to the place where the people who want to come, come, the people who have time come when it's a weekly thing, it becomes more of a habit. Um, one of the offices that we went into recently, it was all around their whole wellness. So we did different things. So like we went in and I actually taught a yoga class, toddy in class, we had chair massages, things like that. So we try to incentivize people when we do a program more like that. Otherwise, like the regular ebb and flow mm-hmm. session is mostly just whoever can come. We come at a regular time every week. The ebb and flow, is that your 30-minute or your 50-minute? Or can yeah. you talk a little bit yeah, about yeah. the differences? So the 30-minute is what we call our ebb and flow movement session. So that's basically like you come in with whatever you're wearing. We make sure that you move, you feel good afterwards. There's the breathing component and the movement component. So that's like our main thing. Our 50 minute sessions can be longer versions of that. So where we do a little bit more mobility and movement and we spend a longer time in meditation. And then there's some discussion around stress management tips and techniques um, and how to sort of bring different um I guess like reminders to move, to do things into the office. So it's like tools that you can use, go back to your desk at the office. So we do that. We also do lunch and learns. So where we go in, we deliver 
um, we bring in like a healthy lunch, usually like a smoothie. So we have a partnership with a company and we go in and we'll do a nice smoothie. And then we bring in things like facial massage, um, some other self massage. And then we actually end the lunch and learn sessions with a, a neck and head massage. So it's a long Shavasana, seated Shavasana, basically with a head and neck massage, mostly neck, less head most of the time, but uh, at the end. And then we also do these 50 minute sessions, which are basically like us going in and teaching a yoga class. So it has to be an all levels yoga class most of the time, because you're actually having people who've never practiced before. So, um, mm-hmm. we offer a couple of different things because we teach different things. So sometimes we teach Pilates. It's basically at the impetus of the office. So we will give you a couple of options and then go and do that. And then we have some workshops that we do cool. through studios to sort of get into other offices. So we have one that's called slow medicine that we're actually rolling out in January. That's around, how you create a stress response. So with a yin pose, and then you soothe it with restorative with massage. And so that creation of the stress and then the soothing helps to build that mental resilience. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Just so the listeners know, we're probably going to put this podcast out in like February. (laughs) So that will already (laughs) So yeah, pre-record- it's recorded pre-recording pretty, a lot of pretty stuff. far in advance. So it's already yeah. it's already out there. Come visit us yeah. at a local studio near you. All right. I think that's all my questions. Nat, did you have anything else? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. So when you go, when you have mm-hmm. a lead, like a yep. corporate lead, um, and you were talking about you and your business partner going in and you thought it went well, what does that meeting look like? for? So a normal teacher is just like so intimidated about, again, going into a corporate space. Like, are you meeting with the president of the company? Are you meeting with HR? Is it different every time? Are you giving like a presentation so we, or are you just we like give a free session. answering questions? Yeah, we give a free session and then we sort of talk oh. about it afterwards. So that's nice. been our main thing. What we set up in the upfront. So like, for instance, I get an email from someone or they contact us or I get their business card, we reach out to them with a a pretty specific email set up for them and we send them our brochure. And then the next step is booking us in for a complimentary session. When we were originally in our planning phases, we had thought maybe we would go in and do like a physical presentation and we, you know, we worked on this sleek PowerPoint. And the reality is, is people just don't know or understand what we do. And the best way for them to understand is just to see it. So we do a complimentary first session um, for as up to usually it's between five and 20 people. Normally, it just tends to be like the sweet spot for numbers for the 30 minute session. Mm -hmm. If you want something else, then we do charge for that. So we'll go in, but most of the time it's over the phone. So you'll have a phone call with someone or over email. So you really just have to get good at that. Um, And, you know, being able to email back and forth and, and like, selling within the within the email like these are the days that we're available mm-hmm. really like preempting the conversation that you think will happen um, but the complimentary session has been like the main key way that we go in and often what what ends up happening is they'll sign up usually on the spot is the best way to make that happen um, if you come out afterwards and you have to go in and talk to them afterwards and email it's much more difficult so if you can get a sign up for when you're going to come in you know, and, and send them an invoice in between, it's much better. Um, and we invoice before we come, because I think what will often happen with a company is, you know, you'll set up on a Tuesday 
And then all of a sudden there's, you know, a big lunch event that day. And so, you know, not as many people will come or, or they'll have to rebook. And so by paying in advance, it really drives them to rebook, to get people to come. Like there's a little bit more incentive for them to come. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so smart. Mm. So do you go just month by month then? We like sign, or do you sign contracts? For yeah, we sign, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. <laughs> we sign contracts for, mm-hmm. for three okay. months at a time, usually. Um, and we give a discount. So if you want a one-off session, it costs a certain amount. If you want three months of sessions, this is how much it costs. You want it once or twice per week. So we try to make sure that, that it definitely has, that there is an incentive. And then are most people booking around that lunchtime or do you have it all, all times of the day before work after so work? So most of it is actually in the thing. afternoon. So we call it like the three o'clock slump. So it's like your coffee break instead mm. of that. So we normally oh. book anywhere between one thirty and 3.30. That's like our sweet spot. We do have some morning ones. Um, but for the most part, it's actually the afternoon when people want to do it. So they want to be able to go for lunch and then come back and do it. Because the really the goal is that you're creating workplaces that support you taking breaks and, you know, working out over your lunch because you don't have time to work out any other time. Mm-hmm. It's not really an effective way to support that. And so for us, even the way that we message it in, you know, with a company, we always go before or after a lunch break. That's like our goal usually. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I teach so many that are at lunchtime, like noon till one or twelve to twelve forty-five. Yeah, me too. And, and I feel like that, like for like after, a, a yoga class, it definitely is, you know, and and we have before. I just feel like what we're trying to do right. is not to take away more of your time. So we want to come in and we want you to feel like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. this feels good. This is like an extra little bump for my day, rather than oh, I have to go do this instead of going, and you know buying my poke bowl or whatever it is that you're gonna eat that day yeah yeah no that's such a good idea no I think it's you're doing some (laughs) good work out there Danielle (laughs) we'll check back in in February and see how things are going (laughs) (laughs) well I'm sure I'll see you before then yeah yeah I'm trying to think if there's any more questions I think that's pretty good yeah my main questions were just for what it looks like for a teacher to go out into that sometimes intimidating world I think you just have to fake it. And if anyone, you can, you know, obviously you'll leave our information there and Megan and I are always happy to talk to someone. And if you, you know, you have an idea and you want, you know, you're like, I really need access to this person. Like, as long as we met and talked, I'm all about sharing those contacts like that. You know, I think like how we network in, especially in Toronto, I don't know if it's different in Vancouver, but really like how you get a job, how you get in anywhere is just in the network that you know. And so we're always just expanding ours. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really smart. Yeah. I love your story too. I really resonate with like coming from that corporate background. I didn't work a hundred hours <laughs> a week. I don't think, I don't want to tally it up, but well, maybe at some points so there were like 18 yeah, hour days. I worked in Northern northern bc when i was a geologist for a while and yeah it was like eight i don't know 16 to 18 hour days for some of the stints but i was three weeks in and then 10 days out but when i came out i was like a zombie and i couldn't make a decision to save my life and i would like just barely get back to that normal and then i would start to like have major anxiety like the three days before i went to fly back up there just thinking about the the workload and it's funny, I actually went to a retreat in Costa Rica, like flew out from camp to Vancouver, I think like 
and then straight down to Costa Rica. I didn't like get the time right. So I was kind of my friend who was leading the, it was a yoga retreat. Um, I like came in, I just like cruised in when they were like in the middle of dinner and they were like, where were you? <laughs> and I was just like, Cause the, the details of that was just not important yeah. compared to what was going on at work. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to like get to Costa Rica and I guess I'll like get on a bus or something and go to this town <laughs> just like totally winging it like oh god so wow. much of my life was that and just like like in yeah. straight up survival mode all the time and like yeah. not sleeping and like your relationships suffer you're just you're not the best version of mm-hmm. yourself I remember the brain fog I had sitting at my desk was so intense I couldn't remember like some of my close co-workers oh, names terrible i would forget people all the time yeah it was, to make introductions. It was insane oh, yeah yeah i do not miss that at all when i talk because i still yeah. obviously have friends in the industry and, and i talk to them and there's you know like people have a different spark for different things and like that just wasn't it for me and like we work hard now but part of the other thing that my business partner and i have set out is that we work with balance so i think a lot of times when you start your own business you're just constantly on going, 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 going. And that is not how we've decided to do things. You know, it may shift and change as we get bigger, but the goal really has been like, you only get one life if you're just spent the whole time being busy mm-hmm. and never like being in your life at all. Well, what's the point? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Here you girl. <laughs> it's something Nat and I have talked about as well. We we don't want to mm-hmm. we want to be effective but not have to compromise the important things and super hard. Yeah, it's it's hard balance sometimes, but yeah. Yeah, there's always an urge to especially how I hate to say it, but there's there's so many yoga teachers out there. So for me, most of my income comes from studios. So if there's a sub yeah. available or if there's a class available, it's so hard to be like, no, no, Sandy, this is you have mm-hmm. enough. You're doing enough. Like prioritize some time for the things that make life worth it. You know, yeah. like like time with loved ones, time with your dog, time out in nature. Stuff well, and like the reality that. is like you'll keep living yeah. within whatever means you make. And so in, yeah. until you break that cycle, it's always going to be mm-hmm. the same. And you you just can't have yeah. it all. I think like people believe you can have it all. I've seen that meme that's like adulting is like um, like an extreme sport because you work for 12 hours, <sighs> you go work out and you come home and like cook and make food and, and clean your house. And, and you just, you, you can't do it all, not effectively anyways. And so there are some things that have to shift a little bit. And so you know, maybe that's a little bit of money. Maybe it's a little bit of time, but like there has to be a bit of balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us and Welcome. getting into the details yeah, of the corporate great. yoga world. So if you guys want to follow Danielle, she's on Instagram. It's Danny Eve. So D-A-N-I-E-V-E. Is that correct? Yep. And you're most active on there or do you go on like the Twitter and... <laughs> the things that I don't do. <laughs> do you, t- you can t- follow t- me t- on all of them. The only ones that I really post a ton on are, are Instagram. Um, you know, I'm just too lazy to do all that. After being in social media for years, oh, yeah. I'm just like, I, I just can't. I can't do it. Oh, we feel yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I follow my stories and you can see my sometimes hilarious, sometimes boring, sometimes wonderful life, you know? 
perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And yeah, we'll hang out soon. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Yoga Addiction. If you like the show, we would greatly appreciate comments, stars, and shares on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can follow Nat and Sandy Yoga on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again.